Hello and welcome to this audio version of the Universal Prior Substack, where I write about all things related to brains, minds, and their possible uses. My name is Jan, and I'll be reading some of the posts that I publish. If you like what you hear, consider checking out the blog at universalprior.substack.com and subscribe to get a notification whenever a new post is released. And now, without further ado... Inferring Utility Functions from Locally Non-Transitive Preferences Johnny did it. Last week, I offhandedly mentioned the unlikely possibility that my co-workers are clones of John von Neumann. I need to explain that a bit more. Uh, it was a compliment, I swear. John von Neumann was uh, a genius, doesn't quite do it justice. The last great polymath, the man from the future, the uh, life of a party, an occasional heavy drinker and reckless driver... Okay, that last one again isn't very flattering. I'm trying to say that von Neumann was an interesting person who did many interesting things. Remember when I claimed that Claude Shannon came up with the Minimax decision rule? Uh, I was wrong. Johnny did it 20 years earlier. The architecture of modern computers? Uh, Johnny did it. A mathematical foundation for utilitarian ethics? Johnny did what? Well, it's a bit complicated. Here's my reasoning. Preference utilitarianism and the von Neumann-Morgenstern theorem. Ethics is the part of philosophy concerned with the question, how should I act? One possible answer to that question is utilitarianism, prescribing that we should maximize happiness and well-being for all affected individuals. Achieving happiness and well-being is undoubtedly desirable, more, but kind of hard to operationalize. Instead of asking people about what they want, you might also observe what people prefer when given a choice. Preference utilitarianism is a form of utilitarianism that focuses on satisfying everyone's preferences. And it turns out, if you are being reasonable about your preferences, we can represent your preferences succinctly in a utility function u of a. This utility function has the neat property that for two possible options, L and M, you prefer option M over option L if and only if U of M is bigger than U of L. This is one way to arrive at the von Neumann-Morgenstern theorem, but it's probably not the path von Neumann took when deriving it. But I think it's an interesting perspective. There is a seemingly straightforward way to use the theorem to solve some nasty technical problems related to making machines try to do what humans want them to do. Get everyone's utility function, combine them, and then pick the actions that increase them the most. While you and I probably can't do that, perhaps a computer can help. They are very good at making numbers go up. And perhaps there is a case to be made that utility is effectively the best single number we can hope for. Sounds good? Where's the catch? The futility of computing utility. Let's start by trying to write down a utility function. The proof of the von Neumann-Morgenstern theorem is constructive, i.e. it doesn't only guarantee the existence of a utility function, it also shows us the way to get there. Here is a step-by-step -step guide. 1. Write down all the possible elementary outcomes that we might want to know the utility of. Ah, yeah, uh, that's going to be a problem. All the things is a lot of things. We might, and will in the post, 
limit ourselves to a toy domain to make some progress, but that will be a poor substitute for the thing we want. All the possible outcomes affecting all existing humans. We might not even think of some outcomes because they appear too good to be true or too weird to be thinkable. We might even want to include those outcomes in particular, as they might be the best option that nobody realized was on the table. But if we can't think of them, we can't write them down. Perhaps there is a way out, an essential nuance in the first step is writing out all the possible elementary outcomes. We don't need to consider all the outcomes immediately. We only need to consider a set from which we can construct the more complicated outcomes. We need a basis of the space of possibilities. That's already infinitely easier and we're always guaranteed to find a basis if we're willing to embrace chaos. The hope here might now be that we can find a basis of a system that is rich enough to describe all the relevant outcomes and simple enough to allow for linear interpolation. Of course, a semantic embedding of natural language comes to mind, but the imprecision of language is probably a deal breaker. Perhaps the semantic embedding of a formal language, programming language, is more appropriate? However, let's use a toy domain, call this an open problem, and move on. Two, order all the elementary outcomes from worst to best. For some inexplicable reason, my intro to computer science course at uni has prepared me for this exact task and this task alone. We have a bunch of great algorithms for sorting the elements of a list by comparing them with each other. If we're not incredibly unlucky, we can hope to sort n many outcomes with n log n comparisons. After sorting thousands of elementary outcomes, we pick the worst, bumping your toe against the chair, for example, and the best, ice cream sandwich, and assign them a utility of 0 and 1. For 1000 elementary outcomes, we could do this with as little as 3000 comparisons, which you could knock out in an afternoon. For 100,000 elementary outcomes, we're talking 500,000 comparisons, which will keep you busy for a while, but it's for a good cause. Unless somebody screws something up. Those 3,000 comparisons have to be spot on. If you accidentally mess up one comparison, the sorting algorithm might not be able to recover. And since we're working with humans, some errors are guaranteed. Can you confidently say that you prefer a mushroom risotto over a new pair of shoes? Thought so. But now comes the real killer. 3. Do a sequence of psychophysics experiments, where humans indicate where the exact probabilistic combination of the worst and the best possible outcome is equivalent to an intermediate outcome. After sorting all outcomes from worst to best, we offer you a sequence of lotteries for each intermediate outcome, mushroom risotto. Would you rather accept a 10% chance of stubbing your toe and a 90% of an ice cream sandwich or a guaranteed mushroom risotto? At some point, 45% stubbing your toe, your answer will likely change from yes to no. And then we know we are very close to finding your utility for a mushroom risotto. In this case, a utility of approximately 0.45. I was halfway through setting up MTurk, but let's be realistic. This will not work. LA's paradox aside, I don't have the patience to set this up, so who will have the patience to go through this? Of course, we should have seen this coming. Just because a proof is constructive doesn't mean that we can apply it in the messy real world. Getting a utility function out of a human will require some elbow grease. 
Human Fallibility and Reward Modeling. Let's shuffle some symbols. How do we account for all the human messiness and the tendency to make mistakes? A standard trick is to call it noise. Given a true estimate of utility, u bar of a, we might write the perceived utility at any given time as a random variable, u of a, distributed around the true value. So u of a is distributed uh, as a normal variable around u bar of a with some standard deviation sigma squared. Given two outcomes, O1 and O2, the probability of assessing the utility of O2 higher than the utility of O1 is distributed as a difference of two Gaussians, which is again a Gaussian. So the probability of the utility of O2 being bigger than the utility of O1 is the same as the error function of U bar of O2 minus the error function of O1, assuming independence of O2 and O1. The error function, lovingly called ERF, is nasty because it doesn't have a closed form solution, but it does have a close relative that looks almost the same as it is a lot nicer mathematically and that has a much more pleasant sounding name than ERF. I'll replace the ERF with a stereotypical logistic function, S. The resulting expression is now a sigmoid of the difference of the expected utilities of O2 and O1, which is 1 divided by 1 plus an exponential of minus uh, the u bar of O2 minus u bar of O1. Much nicer. Even though the logistic function has largely fallen out of favor as an activation function in machine learning, its grip on psychophysics is unbroken. Now that we have the mathematical machinery in place, we need to calibrate it to reality. A natural choice is to take the cross-entropy between our machinery, probability of u02 is bigger than u01, and the actual comparison provided by humans, o2 bigger than o1 or o1 bigger than o2. So the resulting loss now looks like the logarithm of 1 plus e to the power of u bar of o bad minus u of o good. Surprise! The resulting loss function is also used for the reward modeling that I briefly touched on in last week's post. The researchers who originally proposed this technique for learning human preferences say that it is similar to the ELO rating system for chess and the Bradley and Terry model. I find the motivation of reward modeling as an approximation of the von Neumann-Morgenstern theorem a lot more romantic, though. Uh, romantic here with a capital R. Having uncovered this connection, a natural strategy for inferring a utility function through training a neural network with comparisons of pairs of elements from the domain presents itself. Can this work? It doesn't involve mTurk for now, so I'm happy to try. A natural representation of utility functions. I found that the neural network achieves near zero loss on the comparisons after 20k steps. Runtime appears to increase linearly with the number of elements. The resulting utility functions are monotonic and increase by an approximately equal amount from one item to another. This demonstrates that given enough time, a multilayer perceptron can sort a list. Some might say that I used several hours of compute time on a Google Colab GPU just to sort lists, but that would be rather uncharitable. My primary motivation for this approach human tendency to make mistakes, bears fruits in the following experiment. When I add noise to the choice procedure, resulting in 10% random choices, the network is still able to recover the appropriate ordering, panel C, 
And even more remarkable, when I make the choice procedure loopy, i.e. non-transitive, the network can still recover a reasonable approximation of what the utility function looks like, panel D. This last set of experiments is exciting because introducing loops leads to non-linear utility functions that are squashed together in the vicinity of the loop. Intuitively, if outcomes number 3 and number 4 are impossible to distinguish reliably, this might indicate that their utility is indeed very similar. The exciting possibility that the step 3 of the procedure above, psychometric calibration of utilities, could automatically be satisfied when options are sufficiently similar and sometimes confused. Concluding thoughts and what's next? There are a lot more experiments I want to run on this toy domain to probe the limits to which preference orderings can be turned into utility functions. What is the largest number of elements we can sort with a given architecture? How does training time change as a function of the number of elements? How does the network architecture affect the resulting utility function? How do the maximum and minimum of the unnormalized utility function change? Which portion of possible comparisons needs to be presented on average to infer the utility function? But independent of those experiments, there are some fascinating directions that I plan to explore in a future post. Now that I have a natural way to induce utility functions, I think I can further explore the utility monster and some of the classical literature on uncomparability of utility functions. I also really want to write a proper treatment of value handshakes, which is a topic in dire need of exploration. To stay up to date for when I write those, consider signing up for the newsletter. It's free and will stay free. This was an audio version of the Universal Prior Substack. If you enjoyed listening, consider subscribing to the newsletter to get a notification about a new post straight to your inbox. And with this, until next time.